All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Hebrews and chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, please. I'm going to direct your attention to the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 2. The Bible says here in Hebrews 2 verse 1, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. We are closing out a year. The Lord has blessed us with life, and we are closing out 2023 today, bringing in 2024, uh, if the Lord wills. The day's not over yet, right? And thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But we are closing a year, bringing in a new year, and some might expect or think it normal to preach on, you know, positive things, the New Year's resolutions and all the things that we think about moving into a new year. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we're not going to do that today. We're going to speak on true things, though, this morning. And just as much as the Bible is full of positive things, encouraging things, uh, promises that make us feel good and so on, the Bible is also full of warnings. And we cannot neglect that. And we find actually one of those warnings in the text that is before us this morning. The passage that we read is actually a warning. It's a warning coming from the Holy Spirit of God to men. And I want us to understand that this morning. The warning is addressed to men who are responsible and accountable to God. Men are accountable creatures with a moral responsibility to God. And the Spirit of God uh, has, has, has written this for mankind. And, and, and the, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And he goes on and says, If the word that was spoken by angels was steadfast, and it received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? if we neglect so great salvation. Men are accountable creatures with a moral responsibility to God. And when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to the issue of salvation, the writer says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It's telling us and it's implying to us and it's putting this responsibility on us that the gospel and salvation is something to be accepted. It's something to be obeyed 
by men. The gospel, my friend, is more than a publication of good news. The word gospel means good news. But it's more than just a publication of good news. It's more than an invitation for lost souls to come to Christ for relief and for peace in their soul. The gospel is actually a divine mandate, an authoritative command of God to be obeyed. In Romans chapter 16, just keep your place here. Romans chapter 16, I want you to note these words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 16 and verse 25. In Romans 16, 25, Paul says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Paul says that the gospel, my gospel that I'm preaching, the preaching of Jesus Christ, it was given by God. It's made manifest by the scriptures according to the commandment of God. And the commandment was, of God was given for the obedience of faith. It's given by God for the obedience of of faith. Listen, the gospel is more than just an invitation. It's more than just we invite you to come and respond to Jesus. Oh no, friend, the gospel is given by God, but God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. The gospel was given for the obedience of faith. And the consequence for failing to obey the gospel is divine judgment. 1 Peter 4 and verse 17 says, For the time is come that the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? There it is again, that obey not the gospel of God. What's the end going to be? The judgment begins at the house of God. And if it begins at us, what is the end of those who obey not? the gospel of God. What I'm saying is the gospel demands obedience to it. When there is obedience to the gospel, there's going to be a changed life. There's going to be a new creation. There's going to be this desire that is ever growing to please Christ more and more in one's daily life and experience and what we have before us this morning in Hebrews chapter 2 is a warning. You know, we have warnings in our culture. Warnings are not uncommon things. You see warning signs on the streets. Don't go this way. It's a one way. You know, you go this way out this. This is a warning sign. Don't go this way. It leads out onto the interstate or the highway and you're going the wrong direction. There's danger over there. We see warning labels on products. You ingest this or you receive this. Harm is going to come. There's a warning to you. Why do we have warnings? Because of the danger. Warnings are important things. Listen, God has warnings too. 
God has warnings in his word. Warnings are designed by God to, for the fact that men are going to face God. That's why God gives a warning, because men are going to face God. The God who is a consuming fire. Warnings are given by God to teach men to fear Him, but also to love Him. God is not in heaven with a hammer just waiting to drop it on mankind. But God, the Bible says, is also just, and His judgments are just, and God is a consuming fire, and all men are going to stand before God and give an account. And so God gives some warnings for mankind because we're accountable to God. There are warnings not just for unsaved people, but there are warnings for saved people too. A truly saved person can never be lost, praise the Lord, amen, right? Once you're saved, you're always saved. But a saved person can become indifferent to spiritual realities. And when that happens, the saved person needs some warnings to to cause us to to realign and get our our, our focus straight, to push on in faith that, that we might prove and demonstrate the reality of faith in Christ in our life. We need warnings sometimes because we can be indifferent. But there's also warnings to the lost. There's always a possibility that someone who professes Jesus Christ, they only have external things, the externals of Christianity, but no reality of Christ in their life. And because they are not genuinely saved, they need some warnings as well to shake them into reality that what you say you have is not really what's in your life. It's not true Christianity. That warning needs to come so that one might see what they are to truly believe and be saved. What a wonderful testimony it is in people's lives when they have a profession of faith, but sometime later on, God in His mercy reveals to them and shows them, hey, I'm actually lost. And maybe I thought I was saved at a time, but I'm lost. Why don't I have peace in my soul? And God mercifully brings them to a place to open up their understanding. And in humility of heart, they say, Lord, you're right. I'm lost and I need you. And they come to a place of wonderful salvation. What a wonderful thing that is. They heeded the warning of the Spirit of God in their life. And so as we look at these verses this morning and as we begin to unpack them, we need to understand what they are. They're verses of warning. And we're going to talk this morning about the danger of drifting. The danger of drifting. And we find that in this passage here this morning. And let's ask the Lord to bless His Word. You receive it today, not as the words of men, but as they are in truth, the words of God. God's Word is open to us today. God's Word is before you today and you're accountable to God just like I am and so the challenge for you this morning all of you every one of us in this room the challenge for us today is to receive the truth of God what God has in his word whether you're saved or whether you're lost that's going to be the prayer 
that I have is that your heart, my heart, is open to truth today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd use your word in hearts today, and Lord, that there would not be a mindset that is resistant or one that's proud. But Lord, a heart that says God's word, which is truth, is given to me today. And I do pray for the lost person in this room. Lord, that their hearts would be drawn. Lord, that they would soften and open their heart to the word of God to let you have your way in their life. And pray for the saved man or woman as well. Because your word is profitable to us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So may we receive it today. Lord, would you use it? Would you honor your word for your sake? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought I want to draw to your attention is in verse 1. Where the, where, I, I don't know. I, should, I was going to say the Apostle Paul. I don't know the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. It's possible there are people who say it wasn't him. That doesn't matter. Verse 1 says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. The first principle or thought here is, is in verse 1 is that we find there is a danger of drifting. A danger of drifting. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore. That's the very first word, therefore. And you know that when you see a therefore, you need to go back and find out what it's there for, right? So it's, it's a conclusion statement. It's a statement like, I've said this already. Therefore, on the basis of what I've just said, here's what I'm going to tell you. That's what that statement means. That what I'm about to say next is based on what I've just told you. Now, what did the writer of Hebrews just tell or say uh, in the book of Hebrews? What he said was in chapter 1. And Hebrews chapter 1 is all about Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 1 shows us that Jesus Christ is superior to all Old Testament prophets, to angels, to anything else. Jesus Christ is superior. Look in chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, it means at various times and in different ways. All right, so you get that thought? God, at various times... And in different ways spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, 
Who maketh his angels spirits and ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus Christ is so superior to all creatures, all angels, anything else in this world... It shows us that Christ is the most glorious and supreme person of the universe. He's the creator of all things. He's also the sustainer of things. He's the heir of all things. He's the king. He's the ruler. That's what Jesus Christ is. Christ is the God-man, infinitely superior over all creation. In fact, he's the creator. He's also the Redeemer. And because Christ is superior, because He is the superior person who has done a superior work of redemption, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, on the basis of that, that on the basis of this, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, salvation in particular. We ought to give heed to the salvation that He has provided all of those who would trust in Him by faith. You know what the word ought means? We say in our English language, in our culture, you know, we ought to do such and such a thing. What does that typically mean? It means like, well, it's what we should do. We ought to, but sometimes we don't, right? And the thought is, like, it's not that big, we ought to do this, but we always cut ourselves some slack if we don't, kind of a thing. But the word ought that is given here in the scriptures, it literally means must. We must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. The word doesn't mean a suggestion it's the moral responsibility that mankind give heed to the gospel. We are accountable to God to repent and to trust in Christ, to prove the reality of Jesus Christ in a person's life. He says we must give heed. That phrase, the more earnest heed, it means to pay close attention to. We're exhorted to give more abundant attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ than anything else. And the writer of Hebrews was writing to Hebrew saints at the time, and he's saying that the gospel is more important than even the Old Testament law and all the things that you think about religion. The gospel is the more important thing. These Hebrews had heard the gospel, but some were not heeding it. They were not paying attention to it. They weren't giving much attention or consideration to it. But you know what? They're not any different than people today, or people today are not any different than they are. There are many that are like this today, even in this room. To give heed, we ought to give the more earnest heed. To give heed literally means to apply to the mind. 
It's not enough to just hear the gospel, but there must be personal appropriation of the gospel. We must give heed. We must apply it to the mind. We must pay attention to the gospel. One must personally receive Christ as Savior to commit to Him. It's not a suggestion. You understand where we're going with this. We started out that there's a warning that is given here. And the writer of Hebrews says, it's not, I'm, just, I'm not just handing out a warning to you. Listen, I'm telling you there's a warning here because you are accountable. I'm accountable to God. We must pay attention and apply to the mind what God has done. There's more people that stay lost because of indifference and carelessness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're indifferent And the reason why they're indifferent is because they do not understand or realize the danger that they are in. Are you indifferent to your house being on fire? Are you indifferent to not just your house being on fire, but you're in a room and it's locked and you can't get out and the fire is coming? Are you indifferent? Are you careless about the reality of the situation? You understand what I'm saying? You heed the warning when someone comes and says, Your house is on fire! There's a warning! And you heed the warning. You pay attention. You must. Why? Because there's danger. Everybody understanding here? And there are people who are indifferent and they're careless to the gospel. The gospel is preached, the word of God is given, and their mind goes here, their mind goes there. They're indifferent to the things of God, and the reason they're indifferent is because they don't realize, they're not giving attention because they don't realize the danger they are in. And the writer of Hebrews then says, lest at any time, at any time, We should let them slip. We ought to give. We must give earnest heed. We've got to apply it to the mind. We've got to pay attention to the things that we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That phrase, let them slip, the meaning of it is to flow by. But it carries the idea of a ship that is drifting past the harbor, the place of safety, and it's drifting because of the carelessness of the captain who's not paying attention. You understand that? Lest at any time we should let them slip. We should drift by or it should drift up by because of the carelessness. And when you apply that to the truth of the gospel, the careless handling of the truth of who Christ is, is going to lead to drifting away and missing the safety of the harbor. Listen, it's not the truth of Christ that's in danger of slipping, but it's the person who's in danger of drifting. 
And let me make this application this morning. If a person does not see Christ as the God-man and the only Redeemer for his soul, if a person does not see the danger of their soul, they will drift away. What a person, what does a person have to do to drift, friend? Absolutely nothing. When nothing is done with Jesus Christ, when we do nothing with Christ, when we know about Him, the heart grows harder and we drift from the truth and we drift into a place of danger. There are some people who say, Well, maybe this applies to to saved people. Can saved people lose their salvation then? And the answer is no. A saved person will never lose his salvation. It doesn't say that those who've been redeemed by Christ can ever be lost. This warning is to those who've heard the gospel but will not own the gospel for their life. They'll not allow the gospel to grasp their life They won't lay hold of the truth of Christ for their own soul. Listen, that's what this warning is about. And my friend, I'm telling you, there may be nothing more heartbreaking than preaching to people week after week when you see that what's being preached could change their soul. They're being exposed to truth. You know it could change their life, and yet they simply do nothing and they don't pay attention The gospel is carelessly heeded. Those people are drifting farther and farther from truth. The gospel is not being heeded. And during the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, the thing that's the most important thing in all the world, people drift away mentally. Thinking about the football game, thinking about the next week. Some people sit with a critical eye and ear. They're not giving heed. They're not paying attention. They don't realize the danger. And so the writer of Hebrews gives a warning. The danger of drifting. We must take heed. It's not a suggestion. It's a warning for those who've heard the gospel. And then in verse 2, we see what that warning is. He says in verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Here is the warning to the drifters. There's not only the danger of drifting, but there's a warning to the drifters. Those who turn aside from Christ as the only way of salvation, those who do not give heed to the command and to the gospel, are not going to escape the judgment of God. And the writer of Hebrews says, (coughs) excuse me, if the law brought sure judgment... What's going to happen to the person who spurns the Son of God? Let me make this application here. 
You know what? Knowledge of the gospel, having a knowledge of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, having a knowledge of salvation, listen, it doesn't lessen our danger. In fact, it increases our danger. The gospel does not diminish but it terribly intensifies the severeness of punishment for those who know it and reject it. The consequences of indifference to Christ, carelessness toward Jesus Christ, and rejection of Him and His offer of salvation, it's devastating! To neglect the gospel is to refuse God's only way of salvation, and the consequence of that decision is eternal judgment. God's not giving an ultimatum here in this sense that you do this or I'm going to do this. God gives us a choice. God gives us a free will. But he also comes along with the warning and says, if you don't, there's going to be consequences for that decision that you make. One commentator said, Can any man perish more justly than they who have refused to be saved? In other words, the punishment that will come and the judgment that will come is just. It's right. For the rejecter of Christ, the writer of Hebrews says, escape is impossible. How shall we escape? That's a rhetorical question. This is an argument, rather, excuse me, it's an urgent warning. It's a solemn warning for people. And the warning is, trust Christ and live, or you're going to face the eternal consequence of your decision. Notice how he says in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? What a thought. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Salvation is great because of Jesus Christ. We have so great salvation because it's divine, because it's complete, because it's finished, it's free, it's sufficient for all my sin, it's eternal, it's a great salvation. But the ultimate reason that it's great is because it's found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the supreme person. The salvation If it's neglected, it leaves no escape. That's the warning that God Himself gives to mankind. Not only is it great because of Jesus Christ, but this salvation is great because of what it gives to us, what we are saved from and what we are saved into. I'm saved from... Death and destruction, I'm saved from this pit of sin that my life is in in a wreck. And I'm saved into the family of God. I was once an enemy of God. Now I become a son of God. What a wonderful, great salvation. Because of who gave it, who provides it, and what it provides for me. But if this salvation is neglected, if it's carelessly heeded, 
If it's given indifference, it leaves no escape. That's the warning that God gives to mankind. And then I want you to notice the second part of verse 3. And he says this, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. What is he talking about? This great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. And notice how the writer says that this salvation and this gospel was first spoken by the Lord himself. Salvation is only in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah that God promised would come into this world. This salvation in the Son was first preached by Jesus Christ Himself. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ preached the gospel. The gospel has the authority of Jesus Christ behind it. But then he says it was confirmed to us by them that hurt him. The gospel of Christ was confirmed to them. How does he say it here? First began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Who is that speaking of? It's those who walked with the Lord, the apostles. It was confirmed by the apostles who've been with the Lord, who walked with the Lord. The gospel has the authority of the apostles behind it. But then he says in verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. The gospel has the authority of God himself behind it. And God is the one who looks out on the history of mankind he looks across this room today and God himself is the one who commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Men dare not reject this gospel with so much authority behind it. The thought is, how in the world do you think you're going to escape if you neglect the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has the authority of God Himself behind it. We cannot carelessly heed the things that we've heard. We cannot carelessly handle the word of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you hear this this morning and you're not saved... This warning goes out to you. You've heard the gospel before. You know you need to be saved. And maybe your mind drifts and maybe you don't 
see the gravity of the situation. You don't understand the danger that you are in. You're carelessly handling the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you think that you're going to escape that? There's a couple of applications as I close up this morning. And one is for the saved. For us who are truly saved, praise the Lord for that. But we must remember that there are warnings given to all professing Christians as well. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we must heed the same warning to not let ourselves drift from the truth of Jesus Christ. How, how does that happen? How can we do that? I think as Christian people, we can become indifferent at times to the things of Christ. We can be careless with the truth of God, with the Word of God. We can fail to prove the reality of Christ in our lives. We can fail to demonstrate that faith in Jesus Christ is real. It's not just some religious lingo. Sometimes we can, if you want to put it this way, neglect so great salvation or are saved, but our life can become indifferent to Bible reading. We can be careless in our prayer life. We can be slothful in our witness for Jesus Christ. We can absorb worldly pursuits. It can cause our heart to grow cold to the things of God. Even true believers can drift sometimes, maybe temporarily, because if and when we do, we're going to experience the stern but loving discipline of the Lord. And what we need to do is take heed. Amen? We need to apply to the heart and the mind. And if the Lord allows us another year of life, it ought to be our goal and our heart's desire to love Him more, to grow deeper in my relationship with Him, to that the things of God, the things that are important to God, also are things that are important to me. But the way that those things become important to me is I, as I draw closer to Him in my relationship with Him and love for Him, then the things that He loves are going to be the things that I love. Even a true believer can drift away. Sometimes we might call it backsliding. I don't know. But was there a time when you were more dedicated, devoted, in love with, intent on the things of God than you are now? We can be in danger of becoming indifferent. They were more important to me at one time than they are now. I used to be a more faithful witness for Jesus Christ. But I've become slothful. The souls of men don't burden my heart like they used to. The Word of God 
I don't love it as much as I used to, or it's not as precious to me. It doesn't move me like it once did. We can become indifferent, and we need to take heed. We need to heed the warning. Maybe the world and worldly pursuits are controlling my life more than they once did. My heart has become lukewarm, even cold. My friend, if that is you, let us take heed. Ask the Lord for His forgiveness. Ask the Lord to help you to draw close to Him again. Get into His Word. Talk to Him. Commit your way to the Lord. But there's another application, and that's for the unsaved. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you've heard the gospel many times. Maybe even some have made some sort of superficial profession of Jesus Christ. At some time in your past, maybe when you were young, you made some profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But the problem is there's no reality of Christ. There's no real desire in the soul to do His will. There's nothing compelling. There doesn't seem to be real spiritual life. Maybe there's no peace in the soul. That might be you this morning. And if that is, friend, you're in real danger. Real danger. You will not escape God's eternal wrath. There is no real salvation outside of Jesus Christ and a a repentant heart toward Him, a submission of the will, a bowing of the will to Jesus Christ. And if you neglect that, if you neglect the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God in you, maybe this morning you feel a little uncomfortable on the inside, or any time the gospel is preached, or any time we talk about false professions, or, or, or something like that, there's something inside of you that says, No! I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to admit it. If you neglect this great salvation that God in His mercy is offering you, you shall not escape. You're in permanent danger, or you're in danger of permanently losing your own soul. If that's your spiritual condition... Friend, what you need to do is flee to Christ immediately. Bow your will to Him. Repent of your sin. Ask Him to save you. He will. Christ alone is the one who can change your spiritual condition. And you need to give earnest heed to the things that you've heard. Don't neglect this so great salvation which is found only in Christ. There's a danger of drifting. There's a danger of drifting past this place of safety. There's a danger of moving on because of careless handling. And the idea behind it is once you drift by, there's never an opportunity to go back. And I wonder how many people 
Only the Lord knows. But how many will go out into eternity and in hell they'll lift up their eyes being in torment in the flame. Just like that rich man. They had opportunity, but it passed them by. Don't be like that. Give earnest heed. Amen? That's a solemn warning that God gives because men are accountable to Him. Praise the Lord for His warnings. That is only of His mercy and His grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray, Lord, that You would use Your Word today. And we may talk of New Year's resolutions. We may talk of goals. We may talk of all kinds of things. But maybe it's important to talk about the warnings that God gives to men who are accountable to Him. God has granted a year of life, and we can look back on all that has happened in 2023. And we could have thoughts of what 2024 will bring. And maybe people have ambitions to have more discipline in their life or have some goals that they want to accomplish. Maybe some sit with dread and trepidation over the uncertainty of what the next year will bring. And the truth is, we don't have a guarantee that there is going to be a next year. We don't have a guarantee that we'll experience another day of life. We don't know. But what we do have is this moment. This moment in time that God, in His mercy, is calling out and commanding men to repent of their sin. To believe on Jesus Christ so that they can have the forgiveness of sin. They can become a child of God. They can have the hope, the confident expectation of eternal life. What a merciful God you are, even in this very moment. The free gift of salvation is being offered. But God also gives the warning that if you let it slip, if the free offer of salvation passes you by, there's no escape of the just and righteous judgment of God for all eternity. And so, Lord, I'm praying this morning for people in this room who've never been truly born again and saved. Lord, that they would give earnest heed, pay attention, apply it to the mind, to their own life. Maybe there's a young person a teenager who's been battling in their soul the will of self, fighting against yielding to the will of God. 
Maybe it's not a recognition of the fact that we're sinners. Maybe they know that. But it's a battle of the will. Of yielding to God or not. Maybe there's one in this room who has a profession of faith of a long ago. Claimed to be saved, but deep in their soul and their heart they know. Something's not right. I'm not what I say I am. But there's a battle going on. The battle of pride. Admitting what I am and then yielding to the Lord. But how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation. And Lord, I pray that you would use your word through the Spirit of God to draw to yourself today for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.